Let's just get straight into it. Would you mind sharing how you came to your faith in Christ? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was uh, been some time ago now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that first that journey started for me in high school. Um, I actually had an aunt and uncle that were uh, believers and uh, really were the only believers at that time in my my family. And they were on me all the time to go to church. And back then it was one of those things. Church was calling, eh, you know, don't, not interested at all. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, coming out of high school, both my wife and I, my wife now, who was my girlfriend then, uh, made the decision to move out together. And so we were going to college and living in an apartment together and not the most ideal situation. And of course, uh, as faithful as my aunt and uncle were, they continued to call, continued to ask me to go to church. Um, so long story short, uh, you know, it was one of those things. I ended up going to church with them to stop the phone calls. Um, so, it, you know, I went one Sunday and I felt something that I never experienced in my life. And it was just like God was pricking my heart, like, no, I'm real. And I have a very much interest in what you're doing and how you're doing them. Um, and so then I went again and I'm like, okay, there's something. I just feel this tug and uh, I couldn't escape it anymore. And so I remember going back to our apartment and talking to my wife and girlfriend and said, I, I can't live like this anymore. I can't, you know, be in this apartment and um, try to develop a relationship with God. I didn't even know what that looked like. And I said, I'm going to move out. And so, again, just, you know, at that time, I was, just, I was 18 years old, immature, didn't had no business being in the apartment to begin with, living on my own, let alone um, trying to navigate that situation. So... I uh, made the decision to move out, and she, uh, she wasn't happy, <laughs> as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I just left her there. wasn't the smartest move, maybe, but it turned it out turned out really good. Um, about a week later, I kept on asking her too, "Hey, come figure this out with me." And um, just still, just like I'm not sure, you know, what that next step was. Mm-hmm. You know, I just knew that I couldn't be in that apartment in that situation anymore. So uh, the following week, um, my wife, her name's Kim, came to church with me. It was a prayer night of all things. So people that think that prayer night's not important, it's absolutely important. It can change your life. Um, She came to a prayer night with me, and we. um, it was during the middle of a worship set, and we both decided then and there to give our lives to Jesus. And it wasn't um, anything anybody said to us, or um, it was just simply the hand of God moving on us to and drawing us near to Him. And we both gave our lives to Christ that night. And then from that point on, we were just we've just been sold out. So I'm I was living with one aunt and uncle. She decided to live with another family member, and we uh, walked that out until we got married. Wow, that's awesome. It's was it just was it more like a light switch was turned on? Yeah, I think um, you know when you're dead in your sin, it's um, that's all you know, and then when Christ comes in and changes you, that's just it. it you know, that's where everybody thinks that oh, I got to change for God. No, no, I didn't. I didn't have to change at all. I just, I just went in as I was. And and God absolutely changed both of us, and there was just no, there was just no denying it, and it was kind of like that light switch, um, I guess you would say, and we just didn't look back. Hmm. So we were able to, maybe we started out our relationship maybe not so good, but as we were able to walk that out, kind of separate and then and walk out in purity before we got married, um, that was a phenomenal just foundation for us and for our marriage. And tomorrow will be 19 years. 
Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Almost yeah. 20 years to get uh, married. Married. Wow. That's amazing. So it seems that there is a combination of factors that happened. Because I definitely think there's, I mean, people only are converted through the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. When God says, all right, the light switch goes on now. Yeah. But it also, I think, comes down to people being persistent with mm-hmm. you. Because mm-hmm. you said that you went to church because you basically didn't want to hear them bugging you all the time, right? Yeah. And you wanted to remove that from your, your life. Right. But if they weren't pers- persistent, then maybe you wouldn't even be talking about what you're talking about right now, yeah. today. No, that's absolutely right. I think, you know, God. God's always speaking to us or trying to get our attention. And I can look back at my life and say, there were many points in my life God was trying to get my attention. It's just at what point are we willing to start listening and start exploring that. And, um, you know, as a high school kid, I was just, I was so consumed with myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just didn't want any part of that. And I knew that I, and I can remember, rem, you know, thinking, Oh, I just, I don't want to have to go to church and change. Mm-hmm. Right. Was my thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to that point where I did have somebody in my life that was willing to be persistent not only were they uh, persistent in calling, but there was a persistence in prayer. And come to find out, there was a lot of people praying for us that I didn't even would have no no idea, right? So uh, they had people praying for us, and so that obviously made an impact. God was moving in our hearts, and for us to come to that point. Um, during a church service to both give our lives to Christ without anybody saying anything to us. It wasn't people, it was God. And uh, it was, it was a beautiful moment in our lives. Wow. I think I know for me, sometimes it just feels that prayer has its place Mm -hmm. and it just stays there. And there's not really, especially when you're saying, Hey, let's all pray together for that person. Yeah. Sometimes, and I'll just be honest with this, I'm just thinking, well, why do we all have to do that? If I just pray, is that enough? Right. But I think you're proving right there that the more people that pray about the same thing, the more likelihood, there's a higher likelihood of that prayer being fulfilled. Yeah. Well, I think God wants us to pray, right? It's what, that's, you know, prayer is what connects us with Him. And so I think there's, Times that he answers prayer immediately, and there's times that he wants us to develop that perseverance and uh, to pray. And I think there's also power in agreement when people come together, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, Bible, you know, says when there's two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. There's also there's unity. God commands blessing. God really wants unity, right? He wants unity in marriages. He wants unity among his uh, the body of believers. Mm-hmm. He very much cares about unity, and he responds to that. And then you combine unity with prayer. Man, that's a that's a one-two punch. Right. God loves that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. So let's get down to business. That sounds good. Tell me about CDL Legal and how did all that get started? So CDL Legal I, um, has really been a faith journey for me. Um, so I worked for a, a competitor uh, of CDL legal. And back in 2012, um, I knew there was a better, I just maybe I didn't know, but I thought there was a better way to do it. And so I think just through prayer, um, and just seeking the Lord, um, I just felt this burden for the trucking industry and specifically truck drivers and just reaching them, um, and seeing them, supported, you know, and then also, um, having some sort of light shine on them. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's such an abandoned group of people. They're on the road all the time. They're isolated. And so it just felt like that those folks were always on my heart. Well, in 2012, um, I was praying in my bedroom and I remember it was like this name dropped in my, in my head. It was CDL legal. I'm like, okay, well, where'd that come from? Right. 
really this, felt like God just deposited that. This is while me. you're working at the other business. Yep. And I'm like, oh, that'd be such a cool name. And so um, I went out and bought the URL mm-hmm. for the that business at that point. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know how that's going to – I don't know if I'm supposed to recommend changing the name of the business I'm working at to this or – and so just as I just kind of – walked it out with the Lord. I'm like, no, I'm supposed to go do this. So you thought of that name before you even thought about starting your own business. Yeah. Six years before we started CDL legal, I had the name. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So it just, you know, it kind of evolved from there. And I just, um, as time was going on, I knew that was something I was supposed to start. I had talked to, multiple different people during that time about potentially starting something. And I'm like, I don't know. It just wasn't God's timing. It wasn't God's timing and had the opportunity to go work for a trucking company. I knew God was taking me from the place I was to this trucking company. And I'm like, well, that's really interesting. I'm not really sure God, why you're moving me, but it was very clear just through um, some different things that had happened that God was, called, you know, wanting me to move. So I was making the move, and um, the uh, there was a, a uh, the CEO of that trucking company. His name's Scott. Him and I just really hit it off. I mean, just like minded in a lot of different ways, and we worked really, really well together. Um, well, I was that sales and marketing guy. Mm-hmm. He was that ops process systems guy. So that's why we worked so good together because, you know, my strengths were his weaknesses and his, you know, strengths were my weaknesses. And so we just were able to really leverage that. And we grew that business quickly. And you, what year did you start CDL Legal? 2018. <clears throat> 2018. So we're going on. Finishing up the fourth year? Yeah. So we're just a little over four years. It was four years in August. Okay. So we we kind of uh, bring that together. So Scott had came to me at one one day and said, hey, you know, we're this trucking company is owned by private equity. We're going to sell this at some point. I want you to be that next person in line to lead this thing when it goes to the next buyer. And he goes, I'm going to figure out what my next is. He didn't want to stay there. I said, well, I have a better idea. So I presented him with the idea of CDL Legal. He latched onto it and fell in love with the idea. We started putting together some business plans and doing some financial modeling while we were still at that trucking company together. Um, And then through a series of different events, both of us had gotten laid off. Both of us. He was first and then I came 10 months later and was, that was not planned. Um, and during that time I'm like, God, what are you doing? Cause that doesn't make sense at all. God was like, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? Yeah. And, uh, it was just, just a crazy, it was just crazy. So I got, I got let go in June of 2018 and I called Scott. So I called my wife first then I called Scott and uh, he said, well, are you, are, are you ready to get CDL Legal going? And I said, I am. That's why I'm calling. <laughs> wow. Um, so we did. In about two months, because we had already done some of this prep work, we were able to launch in about two months. Two months. From filing articles of incorporation to website materials, licensing, all the things that we needed to, to launch. We got it done in about two months. So then CDL Legal is a company that is membership-based mm-hmm. and with the membership includes, it's, uh, you have benefits that are included for the truck driver. Yeah. So it's basically prepaid legal for truck drivers. Mm-hmm. So you've heard of some other legal benefits that are, you know, maybe more general. We're trucking specific Truck drivers can get into a fair amount of trouble over the road just with all the laws and regulations that are out there. So, you know, you can imagine if you live in Kansas and you get a 
into an accident or a cita- or getting a citation, mm-hmm. say on the East Coast somewhere, who do you call? Mm-hmm. You don't have any connections. Right, right. And typically, if you mm-hmm. find an attorney online somewhere, you're a one-time event. You know, do they really, how much are they really going to care? So mm-hmm. we, we've developed a, a network of nearly 2,000 attorneys across the country. For the most part, we have really good relationships with all those attorneys. We know who gets good results. We have volume. They're concerned. They're concerned about continuing that relationship with us. We're not that one-time event, so we can use that power to make sure that the the drivers that we're working with get the representation that they need deserve. Uh, which is why we we have such a high success rate helping them when they get into trouble. What's the success rate? Uh, almost ninety-five percent. Wow. And what happens is, you know, that CDL they get. Uh, one speeding ticket could potentially cost them their job. So they're always in a high stressful situation when, when they, when they have those events happen. That's awesome. So over four years, what percent of growth have you guys experienced? Um, we're averaging about 60 to 70% growth year over year. That's incredible. Yeah. And what do you think has attributed to that? rapid growth well i you know i think uh we're talking about faith Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's absolutely been the fact we have invited god into our business Mm. so one of our core values is to honor god you know um and we make that a priority every single day so from day one we made the decision that we're going to pray every day every morning right not everybody in the organization is we're not they're not required to participate, but we we have that where we start our day and we're committed to that. And I think it brings uh, you know again we're talking about prayer earlier on in this um, in our conversation. It changes things. It changes hearts. It changes minds. It changes attitudes. Um, and so when you've got f- people that are focused on starting their day with God and inviting God in. It just makes the world a difference. Um, and God has led us and guided us and helped us make decisions that we probably wouldn't have made on our own. That's helped us, you know, uh, you know, drive the business in ways that we would never expected. You know, we have our plans, right? God's got way better plans than we do. Uh, it's funny how that works, isn't it? It is. We think that we have it all figured out until it doesn't work. Yep. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to humble myself and follow God fully. Yep. So you guys are praying as a company on a daily basis. Every day. Wow. So do you ever have employees who don't want to partake? Yeah. Every, every now and again, we have an employee that maybe that's not... Um, that's not their belief system. So, sure. which is fine, which is fine. But we have had uh, employees that started out not praying, then started praying with us. We've had um, employees that maybe weren't so strong in their faith, and just watching them in that culture over time have become you know, stronger believers. So it's just been kind of a cool, cool thing to see, you know, that we always have this idea that church is reserved for Sunday, right? Let's live church every day. Mm-hmm. Right. And then let's bring God with us into our every day. Let's not just think about him on Sunday. That's profound. So when you guys are coming in for the first time, you guys all meet and then just pray together. Yeah. Is that how it works? Well, you know, we, we start our day at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people can in maybe a little bit earlier. We always encourage people to get in earlier, kind of plan their day. But 8 o'clock on the dot, that's when we we pray. And then um, our next our next core value is driven to win. So then we go right from a prayer to celebrating wins. Um, so we think, you know, uh, with... In a company, we should all have vision, right? We should, you know, everybody should have some sort of vision and, and understanding of what where we're going, what we're what we're doing as an organization. So, it's a good chance for all of our departments to come together mm-hmm. and hear what yeah, uh, the successes that everybody else is having, and then celebrate those. So we go right from prayer right into that that next meeting. 
So you go right in from uh, God, just Lord, we're just believing that you're going to do something awesome today to then hearing about what, uh, what the things that he did yesterday and maybe were answers to prayer yesterday. So it's just kind of a cool dynamic we have uh, to start, start a day off every day. There's so much power in that. I think, I mean, I know for me that sometimes I maybe feel a little, I don't want to say let down because I really shouldn't have any expectations at all of what God is going to provide me. I mean, he doesn't owe us anything, but when you see it more from a bird's eye view Mm -hmm. as how it's affecting the group or even other people around you, like for example, just watching people who you thought would never, ever come to faith, come to faith. Yeah. That right there is like, all right, I need to just keep praying, keep reading the Bible keep my head down and know that it will happen if it's meant to happen. Well, and here's the thing. We, we're going to, the Bible's clear, we're going to face trials of many kinds, right? But mm-hmm. we've got to be able to walk through that and trust, right? We've got to trust that God's going to bring us through those things because He will. And um, I just think about even how we started, right? So I just mentioned that we started in not maybe the best circumstances, both me and my business partner got let go from a prior organization. I can tell you that we launched our business, CDL Legal, at the ideal time. And only God would have known that. I wouldn't have been able to guess that, right? So so even even when things happen that, okay, well, today just seemed like a not productive or this happened or this didn't go so well, God takes everything, uh, turns everything for to go to those who love him and are called to his purpose. So even when things happen that maybe aren't so good, if we continue to trust, believe, pray, persevere, he'll turn it around. So it's those moments of when we're going through those trials. And I think I heard this somewhere where there's two outcomes that could happen. First is it's, or it's either going to strengthen us. So it's like a test mm-hmm. and we pass the test. And now God blesses us with you know stronger character. Or it pushes us over the edge where now it becomes a sin. Right. So it's either one. Yeah. And if we just stay faithful, and I always just have this vision in my head of keeping my head down, the storms going on around me, mm-hmm. and I'm just keeping my head down and not getting blown away. Like, it'll pass, but you just don't know when it will pass. Yeah. And I think a really vivid example was COVID. Yep. I mean, I was just watching a video that was recorded two years ago, and they were talking about, oh, there's not going to be ever the normal, like what mm-hmm. we experience now. There will be a new normal. And I'm thinking, everything's kind of already back to normal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, yeah. yeah. But, but there's, but then there's, it's opened the door for other things, right? right? And so <clears throat> for us, I mean, COVID was like, oh, man, we're kind of a newer business, like, uh, this is this isn't good, right? So, um, well, at least you guys got to operate. We right. got shut down where yeah. we couldn't even teach our kids oh, for I, six weeks. That's amazing. And then we had to try to teach these kids over Zoom, and you know how that goes with a four-year-old trying to keep their attention through a yeah. screen. Yeah, but uh, we got through it. Everybody got through it, and yeah, and we're doing better because of it that, no that's right i think uh, i can look back and see where that made our business stronger because we had to think differently and uh, make maneuvers that probably wouldn't we wouldn't have made right so so i would uh, learn to love for or learn to love sorry love love to learn from you you're a sales guy mm-hmm. i'm more of an ops guy yeah. I like to just get things fixed in the business because I'm thinking, well, if the service is impeccable or amazing and everything is put together like it's supposed to, people are going to come. But that's actually not true. You got to have both. You got to be yeah, out there both. telling people about your your business. So I want to learn from you on what is the one big thing that you guys have done over the years on a, on the sales side to see that massive growth that you've experienced. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, so it's taken the ops side, right? That, that uh, what you do makes you special and mm-hmm. then being able to communicate that in the, the right way, right? And so there's a couple different things. So people buy because they, uh, 
trust them. So go back to trust. Yep. They trust that brand, mm-hmm. right? I mean, people can argue that Starbucks coffee is good. I would disagree that it's not no. very good. It's average. But, but people trust it, right? And so in the sales environment, especially when you have a salesperson selling to somebody, it's people are buying from people, right? And so we really coach our sales folks on how do you build trust? How do you build credibility? So we really focus on those things. And so with, and then sales and marketing work in tandem because you've got to be able to have the marketing side help um help sales create that credibility and trust. So things like, you know, we, we're very intentional about making sure that we're asking for positive reviews, right? So that's something credible that sales can go point back to. So how, how do they ask for those? Uh, a lot of that's through marketing efforts. So like when we, we've um, every, everybody that we work a case for every driver, every carrier, they're going to get a follow-up email asking them to review the work that we did. And so then you're able to collect those, those reviews. Um, but then through the sales process, obviously we've, we've taught our salespeople that um, you've got to build a relationship, right? You've got to ask the right questions and then build a point back to credible things because as a new startup, right? What do you have? You, you haven't been around for very long. So you've got to build a point back to the things that make you credible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can talk about processing, talk about all these things. Well, they, they don't know you from Adam, right? right? So you've got to be able to create that, those things. So as we would execute for certain individuals, we would start to develop this list of people that were willing to speak on our behalf, right? Hmm. Uh, that would, that were willing to have a conversation with somebody else and provide a testimonial or, and just doing that and us as salespeople getting out and being aggressive to get in front of people, uh, make those phone calls, get on a video and then and confidently talk about what we do and then point to either individuals, to case studies, to uh, reviews, whatever that strengthen our credibility, man, it makes a big impact, right? Yep, because yep. if you're looking at my service compared to somebody else and you don't know me from Adam, and but then I'm pointing you to a 4.8 out of five star review, and then pointing you to three people that have had that experience mm. uh, with me. That's going to strengthen the sales social process. proof. So, how many times would you contact a lead, calling them, mm-hmm. emailing them, until you stop? Uh, so that, that varies. Um, but I'm not one to take no for an answer very well, especially if I know there's a need there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like to call it being pleasantly aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, now if they tell you just to stop, I don't, they don't want to hear from you, but most people don't do that. Right. Most people say, Oh, I'm busy. Most people are non-confrontational. Yes. They don't, they're not going to give you the no. So either you work to get the no or you're, you're work, you're going to get a yes. Right. So it, it, it can be unlimited amount of calls. I mean, I've no, I've no, I have been known to call people, you know, six, 12 months, you know, longer. And um, you probably do that based on your experience that after 12 months, you've called over and over again, you got the sale. Yeah. So, so that one time you're like, I'm going to, I got to keep going. So some of us know who your audience is. So mm-hmm. we're calling a specific, you know, uh, we're calling safety directors at trucking companies. Mm-hmm. Well, they're hair on fire all the time. So, right. so some of it's understanding that, but also uh, not being a, not all, not trying to put yourself in their position all the time. So what I mean by that is, Maybe you're somebody that doesn't like getting sales calls. And so you're like, well, I'm just going to be an annoying to whoever. I'm Don't put yourself there because if you've got something valuable, no different if you had a cure for cancer and you were trying to reach everybody else that everybody in the world that had cancer. Hey, let's be forceful about it. Cause I've got something that'll help you. Mm. I've got something in my business that can absolutely impact you in a positive way. Put, not only impact your drivers, impact you, impact your bottom line. Why wouldn't I be somewhat forceful about that in the way that not maybe how I talk to them, but how I go out after that business. 
And just that confidence that comes across as you're doing that, um, they'll be willing. If you're persistent, they're gonna and confident in what you're doing. They're gonna give you an appointment. They're gonna give you. They're gonna get on a video chat with you. They're gonna let you come see them, right? They're gonna let you provide a little bit more information. Most people, when you call them, or even if you were to go show up at uh, for an appointment, walls go up. Yep, right, because yep. you are not going to sell me. Mm-hmm. So how do I get rid of the wall? Right. So all this really starts with yourself and changing the way you think about the product and really how you feel about the product. Because when you're speaking to that lead or prospect, mm-hmm. they're going to feel it too. Either way, sales is ninety percent between your ears. At ten percent is all market. You know. Uh, leads, quality, lead quality, mm-hmm. you know, all, all those other things fall in the 10%. It's 90% between your ears. It's, I kind of relate to swing. I'm a, ba- I'm a baseball guy. I'm a sports guy. Mm-hmm. I've always related to kind of, you know, swinging a baseball bat. You can have the best mechanics in the world, but if you can't, if you don't think you're going to hit the ball, you're not going to hit it. Mm. It's all about confidence, but you see these, guys in the MLB even they have kind of wonky stances, right? No, oh my God. They're not yep, your yep. Tradi- now they'll they they load and they do all the those things right, but it's not maybe you know what you you're taught in little league, right? But there's a confidence, right? And so I think that uh, if you're confident in who you are, confident in the process, confident in your uh, what you're selling, it makes it a lot easier. It's, so let's say you had a one of your salespeople, a member on your sales team, struggling where they're not converting their leads to customers. Mm-hmm. And you find out that the root cause is their lack of confidence. What was what's the first thing you'd tell them? Uh, first thing I would tell, so because of the environment that we're in, yeah. you know, it's it, uh, it it's becomes a faith issue, you know, for me. So, um, you know, I'm... I'm very much, you know, how big is your God? Because if that next phone call could absolutely be the sale that changes your life or changes the direction of your finances or changes uh, your sales career. Um, So don't put God in a box. Right. And then it's just really more just talking through with them what those what those hangups are, because there's typically some sort of hangup. It could be their own you know, how they perceive sales, sales calls. It could be lack of vision, right? If you've got a vision so big, right. Um, you're going to push through, right. You're going to push through that stuff. Well, typically I find a lot of salespeople lack vision, not just in their career, but in their life in general. And so if we will do these vision casting sessions where it's like, okay, what do you want? Right. What do you want in your life? You know, okay, you just recently married, you have a kid. Well, what do you what do you want for your family? Go home and talk to your wife about it. You know, put put some goals out there. Get some get a get a dream. You know, God's uh God in his word said, Without vision, my people perish. Let's get vision. Without vision, I have no direction. Without direction, it's easy not to have confidence. Yeah. When you make that switch and you start getting vision, you now you know where you're going and what you're tr- shooting for. And then you put behind, hey, look, there's we've got some great examples of some big wins that we've had here. You can do the same. Mm. And so it's just walking through that process with them that helps them shift their mind into more of a confident victor mentality versus the mentality of, oh, I'm just seem to lose no matter what. Mm. That's great. So what has been the most challenging or even difficult lesson that you've endured and experienced since starting CDL Legal? Um, being an entrepreneur isn't all glamorous. It's not. No, it's not. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, it just happened this uh, weekend, Christmas Eve. Uh, thankfully, um my son had gone up to my office. He had a key, key to the office because we were, we had his mom's present up there. So he went up to the office to go get it. Mm-hmm. And um, he calls me as soon as he gets up there. We only live 10 minutes away. He said, Dad, we got a problem. 
I said, what's that? He said, there's water everywhere. Oh, goodness. And I so know where this is going. So I said, I'll be right there. So, um, got there and there, and thankfully he had gotten the water shut off, but there was literally two thirds of our belt building were completely flooded. Yeah. Wow. Frozen pipe had busted. Oh right? my goodness. Um, well, when it's not always pretty being the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? It's not to start something. Everybody looks at the, you know, this maybe some success and says, oh, well, that's why, you know, there's, they've had it so easy or they see those things. It's not, you're constantly worrying about every, you've got every little thing to worry about. And then we were there on Christmas Eve until about 1230 three shop facts going, you know, um, fans, you know, everything trying to dry the place out. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy, but that's probably been the biggest lesson for me. It seems like I keep getting taught that lesson over and over again, but, um, it's not, it's not pretty, but it's, it's a labor of love and it's an opportunity to serve. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much, as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur that you're, you're just finding yourself serving. And, um, I'm just so, so thankful for the people that work there that I get the opportunity to serve them yep. in that, in that way. So it seems like God is really using your business for, uh, to further his kingdom. It seems like with all the prayer and, and all the, the people that's come into either Christ yeah. in general or a deeper faith, is there any other ways that he's using your business? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's hopefully there. You know, there's our our business is being used to shine a light in ways that I probably don't even know. I mean, I'm, and again, that's not for us. That's for God's glory. So we don't have to know all the things, right? But I know we've had several testimonies of healing in our in our business. Where mm-hmm. what I mean by that is. Folks that have been hurt or wounded in corporate America and that have had the opportunity to come in into a safe place. And, you know, you you can almost tell when someone's got PTSD from somewhere else Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, is is that okay? Or is that, you know, was that okay for me to say that or do that or think that way or yeah. Yeah. I mean, I literally had one lady said, you know, that one organization she was a part of, I mean, she'd have to ask to take a restroom break. I mean, I, some of the, wow. some of the stories I've heard, I'm like, that, that, man, that's, that's not good. So I think, um, that, and then, you know what, we've, we've given folks the, the permission and freedom to pray with, you know, people over the phone. So especially when you're dealing with truck drivers, that are in those high stress situations, just been in an accident um, or got a citation and you're hearing from them. If I don't get this resolved, then I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, desperate type situations. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a great team of people and I don't even hear all of it that encouragement prayer for them, you know, um, I'm hoping, and my prayer is, is that that we're making a way bigger impact than I even realize. Wow! And that's and that's to His glory. I mean, not you know, I don't I don't need to know everything, right? And nor can we even comprehend yeah. everything. So switching gears here, you have five kids, and I'm yes. a, which wow! I just have to yes. say that on that with five kids, but I am all about productivity. I'm always looking for different life hacks on how I can hit my goals, be productive, but also, most importantly, serve God first, but then my family. Mm -hmm. How do you juggle all of that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Lots Uh, of prayer and reading the Bible. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's structure. Like, um, there's definitely takes structuring yourself. And I think... That's where I've, you know, also years ago, I've committed to a 40 hour work week because, you know, family, and that may seem, you know, weird because everybody, the world would tell you everything else, like the leading, 
you know, some of the entrepreneurs out there that are on social media, oh, you got to work 100 hours a right, week, right, and you got to right. do all this other stuff. I'm like, no, I want to, I want to, I want my priorities to be right, and so, um, so I've committed to that and committed to certain structures. But then I also, as a leader, then you've got to let go of some things too, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I realize I can't do it all, and I think early on in our business, I, re- I thought I could do a lot of it, but then when you start doing everything you can't do it very well so then you have to extend trust yep. you have to, you to extend um you know some responsibilities to other and delegate those things and do people you know fall down at times yeah and but being okay to to fail and learn from those failures is so key but i can honestly say that a big part of my uh, ability to balance all of it is i've got an amazing wife that does so much mm-hmm. and so she she's a rock star she's absolutely a rock star she homeschools she's homeschooled all of our kids so and let's just pause for a moment there homeschool with five kids mm-hmm. wow yeah. that is a superstar you have at your house yeah that's incredible she, yeah she you know and um you know but the thing about that is you know if i'm working 50 60 70 hours a week that's that's not gonna do that's not gonna She's going to wear out super fast, right? Yep. So, And going back to what you were talking about, a lot of the entrepreneurs that are popular, uh, social media, whatever it may be, they talk about the 100-hour work weeks or you're not working enough. You're not putting in enough hours. And I'm very guilty of this. I've just been wired to work. I love to work. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of time, a lot of people, I think, like to – or they look forward to vacations, going on the beach – I take vacations only because I have to, and it's only fair to my family. Right. But if it was up to me, I would love to work. Get me on my computer. But if we start to define define success in a different way than the entrepreneurs that we're hearing from mm-hmm. do, I think it looks more like, what are our priorities here? Now, you could become a billionaire, but what did you sacrifice to get there? That's right. And that's my biggest fear is that I gain success and wealth, but then I look back and and see the mess that I created mm-hmm. along the way and the people that I ignored that were most important to me because we all are going to die and we cannot take any of this stuff. Right. So as such, I mean, for me, I always look at this like a balancing act of you know, you can't just stay at home with your family all day long because we were called to work. Right. We were created to work and provide for our family, but then sometimes we also overdo it. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to neglect the family. So it's that balancing act. But then also, how do you how do you have the most efficient balancing act where you achieve the most success that God wants us to be achieving? Yeah, I, I think that when you look at the... 80 to 100 hour work folks. I mean, God's given us a lot of ability to do a lot of in our own strength. Yes. He really has. Mm-hmm. To me, I'd rather have the testimony of I did what that same person did in 80, 80 hours. I did it in 40. Yep. Not because of my own ability, but because he's he's better than I am. He's stronger. You were faithful. Yeah. You were faithful. Right. And, uh, and, and, and through that process, I've, I've always been, I've been able to give my wife and kids the attention that they need, you know? And so, and then also if you're the 80 hour a week guy, how's that, what kind of environment are you creating for your staff? Right. Right. If there's no, if they all feel that, you know, that urgency and pressure, right. So we, you know, we've just taken a different approach to that where we're very pro, you know, if you need to take time off, take time off. Family comes first. Um, because if, and typically, and I've found if you're able, if at home is right, there's so much more you can get done. Amen. Not us, but even our team. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's such yeah. a, that's such truth is, you know, when one of your team members comes in and something's going on at home. Yep. And we need to figure out how we can help right. you through that. That's absolutely right. And those are things that we, you know, we're, you know, we'll ask those questions, you know, and um, our management team is not afraid to say, Hey, are you good? You know, just 
You don't have to tell me. Right, just, right. If you want to, you can. This is a safe place. Yep. I mean, if you think about it, you're if you're, you know, in a job eight nine hours a day, um, and that that job is not as toxic or not a good working environment. Man, what does that do to your quality of life? But if you can come in and find relationship, if you mm-hmm. can kind of come in and find freedom and peace, man, what does that do to your quality of life? Right. And then how much more effective are you if you're not under all the stress all the time? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what would be your number one recommended life hack? You said structure. Um, yeah, I think life hack. I mean, for me, it, I'm a prayer guy and we've been talking prayer a lot. Um, my life hack is probably, um, seek first his kingdom. So every single morning, make that the first thing that you do. As soon as you wake up, as soon as you wake up before you have your, do you get on your knees? And do that, or you just do that in bed? Uh, no, <laughs> Not in bed. because you can I, pray. You wake, open your eyes, and you I, start praying. Yeah, no, I typically no. I've got to get going a little bit. Um, so typically, I like to throw in some music. Mm. You know, I'm a so throw in some music and really just get my mind focused on God, mm. and that really keeps me centered for the day, right? Yep. And then yep. even with that. <clears throat> You know, the Bible talks about praying without ceasing. It's like, yep. okay, well, how do you do that? You know, how do you just, because I got a lot of other stuff to do, God, than just talk to you all day. I mean, right. I'd love to talk to you all day, but I just can't make that happen. But taking the small moments, so starting your day with God and then finding moments throughout your day, mm-hmm. right? We all have a minute here, you know, a minute there to just say, God, you know, I'm just really thankful for what you're doing today. Lord, I'm thankful for this individual that's working here today and just the impact that you're making in their life. Lord, I'm thankful for that new deal that you just brought today or right. And so just being able to stay in connection with Mm -hmm. him throughout Mm -hmm. the day is probably been the single thing that's changed my life just from a, a relationship with him. Again, you got Sunday Christians, right? You know, you know, hey, I, and then the rest of the week, just kind of doing your thing. I don't want to just focus him on Sunday. I don't want to just focus him on, focus on him in my morning devotion. Mm-hmm. I want to be aware of him all the time. And so just finding those moments, whether it's two, three, four times a day, and it could just be 30 seconds. It could be a minute, right? It doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out thing, but just those special moments where you can connect with God is man it just that would be my life hack i think i love it the way i have recently come to see this is we we try to almost squeeze in god throughout mm-hmm. our day right prayer reading the bible and then that takes really it takes second to what we're supposed to be doing yeah. throughout the day which is work mm-hmm. but then what if you flipped it mm-hmm. it should be how can I squeeze work in to prayer and reading the right, Bible, right? right. And you, when you switch that, it changes the mindset and the priority, mm-hmm. the list of priorities. Paul Washer actually brought up a really good point. I, wa- I saw a quick video on this, and he said, look at your phone, and you can – I know on iPhone mm-hmm. you can track your screen time mm-hmm. and yep. even what apps you're looking at. Yep. So compare the amount of time – that is shown on your phone for screen time to your prayer and, re- and Bible study time. Yeah. Your prayer and Bible st- study time should always be greater than yeah. your screen time. Yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, I'd fail that completely. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would probably <laughs> fail that as well. But I think you've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And so you got well, to the first step is just knowing. Yeah. Right. I mean, just that self Knowing you have a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Recognizing that you are failing. Are we, are we confessing right now? Exactly. Well, it's like, a, is this an AA meeting? Right. Uh, no, but the other one that I don't know if you ever tried this, and I think it's, it's talked about a lot just in productivity um, videos and such, but I'm telling you right now, cold shower. Ice. Go. Cold shower, especially when it's like negative two out in the morning. Uh-huh. If you want to wake up and get ready to go, jump in that shower for like 30 seconds mm. and you come out yeah. a million bucks. 
I might have to try that. So I've always been a like uh, uh, end of the day shower guy before I go to bed. Yep, that yep. way I don't have to mess with it in the morning. Uh, I'll have to try that. So use the cold shower not to clean yourself. Just to like wake yourself up. Yes. Abruptly. I mean, Man, you are like, your blood is flowing like no other. I bet. Yeah. I bet so. So uh, as we wrap this up. I love, as you can see here, I love to read books. And I, honestly, 10 years ago is when I really started diving into reading business books mm. just to improve my business. And it's really changed my life. And obviously, the Bible should yeah. be the first one. And mm -hmm. I've, I've come to the point now where I don't even want to read anything else because I'm like, why am I wasting my time on something yeah. when I have not really grasped gained a really deep grasp on the Bible of from start to finish. Yeah. Other than the Bible, do you have a book that comes to mind for business or development that you, yeah. I think the, I think the book that probably sticks out the most just because, you know, as business leaders, we're, we're really in the people business mm -hmm. more than anything. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, we're all doing business with each other and, <laughs> I, um, I think the first book that I think really just started transforming how I thought about things from a leadership standpoint, it was a secret of teams hmm. It just, um, and the idea behind that, that book was that not everybody's fit for the, for a position. Right. And so, um, it's finding people's strengths, right. And leveraging those strengths in the right positions. <laughs> I think all too often, People get into corporate America and they set, they're set up for failure because they weren't meant for a position, right? Um, and so we, we, you know, that's why we do these, you know, culture index assessments and we dive in to find out how, how people are wired and ask really good, try to ask as good questions as possible. And if we need to make a shift, let's make a shift in what they're doing, right? Um, because if they're underperforming, maybe. It's not because they just don't want to perform well. Maybe because there's something else that they can do that would make a more impact to the business. Sure. And so when we've walked through that, walked that through with people, we found that they really appreciate it because they're like, "Man, you're helping to guide me, right? You're helping to um, put me on the path that I didn't even know I should be on. Um, I'm just doing this because I thought it was a good idea, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So." It's just helping as a leader, help bring clarity to maybe even a career path or a job for somebody. So with the culture index, I'm an architect and you're a scholar. I'm a philosopher. Philosopher. I always switch those. Yep. Uh, and I, I really uh, respect that mm -hmm. tool because it just gives you such a good starting point. Absolutely. Obviously, it's not perfect and you can't base everything around it. But I definitely think it's a strong data point of where people should be and yes. what they naturally get. Yes. Because some people just don't naturally get things and it just becomes forced. Yep. Why not find a position that you naturally understand? That's right. Compared to others and you're already going to be ahead. No, that's right. I mean, and God's wired us all, uh, you know, a certain way. So, yeah, why not dive into that a little bit and uncover that? Um and we've just had so much tremendous success with that already, mm -hmm. uh, even just with current employees. And then even as it, through the hiring process, like, for example, you know, going back to sales, you know, we'll have somebody that sounds like they are you know, super duper, you know, salesperson. And really, as you start un unpacking it, like, you know what, that a trait is pretty far to the left. Yeah. I'm surprised that you're, you know, um, you feel so strongly about what you've done in the past. And then when you start covering it, oh, no, that wasn't necessarily their sale that they made. It was somebody else's sale, but then they managed it, right? Then maybe they they grew it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so you're not really a, you know, a hunter-type salesperson. You're more of the, you know, build the relationship, the ongoing relationship and growing it. And so then you begin to identify that as things. And they're like, you know what? I, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't like to go out and get new sales. I like to take new existing customers and grow them. Okay. Well, 
now that we've identified that, we've got this position over here that may be suited better for you. So, so overall, you'd recommend Culture Index to other companies? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, great tool. So what would you say to an owner or a leader in a business that is strong in their faith and it's very important to them, but they're hesitant to bring it into the workplace because of whatever reason? Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Um, I would say that, look, I, it's, I get it, first of all, because uh, the world that we live in today you know, is um, screaming not to talk faith in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say just step out and talk about it. I mean, it is uh, fear is not from God, right? And so if you're feeling that fear of you know, opening up about that, realize that's not from the Lord. And if you wanted to do something like we've done, like, you know, prayer, open it up just for anybody that wants to do that. You may have two people. You may have nobody, right? Start it, make it consistent, and you'd be surprised how that develops. And what we really need to be doing is choosing all the way in or all the way out with this. And I think from what I've learned is you just can't be in the middle yeah. of, you know, we're, we're kind of this or we're kind of mm-hmm. not that. I mean, if you're going to do it, we're protected by the constitution with a, a freedom of religion. Yeah. Right. And in the business place, I think a lot of people will have the misunderstanding that you can't talk at all about it. Right. But from my understanding, I've learned is if you're going to talk about it, you got to be completely bold about what you believe in. But it has to be optional, yep. which, I mean, we're going to take that approach anyways. We're not going to force anybody right. to do that. But I think for me, it's just understanding that you got to be very clear on who you are, what you're mm-hmm. standing for. But then again, you're not forcing anybody. Yeah. And one way that we communicated that with everybody was we we put that in our core values and in our mission statement that we were going to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, so everybody knows where we stand. I mean, it's really clear and we're going to continue to point back to that. And you probably talk about it in the interviewing process with new hires. We even have it in our, in our, um, when we're in any ads, you know, job ads that we have at the part of our, you know, who CDL legal is, we're a faith based organization, you know? And so we just, we make that clear going into it. Um, and look, you can start that anytime, but to, for a starting point, relook at your core values. Does mm-hmm. your core mm-hmm. values align with your belief system? Because if they don't, they may you maybe need to take another look at those. In in reality, the deepest, most important part of this is if we are going to be sharing our faith, we do it based on our actions and behavior. How yeah. are we treating our employees? Absolutely. That should already be telling them and making them feel like, oh, this is what a Christian this is how a Christian behaves. This is how a Christian yeah. acts. So it's, you know, you want to give them the feeling of not necessarily like walking into a church, but that what walking into a church might be like. I had a pastor come to me not, you know, several years ago and say, you know, I was involved in some ministries. And he said, you know, I really think that I could see you doing this full time at some point. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't really think so. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is before CDL Legal, and I just I remember telling him, well, I want to build a business, and I want to build a business where people can come in, find a safe place, grow grow in their relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. and even if they don't know Jesus, find Jesus. And he said, well, that sounds like church. And I said, well, maybe business should be more like church. Hundred percent. And so, because uh, we weren't all created to be pastors, no, no. And sometimes I'm thinking, well, am I really doing what I'm supposed to if I'm not a pastor? And I realize that we, if everybody's a pastor, how's this world going to turn? Right? How right. are we going to get food? How are we going to, you know, have a car? Like we all have to do our our jobs, but that doesn't mean that we keep God out of it. No, absolutely. And really, that's where we can have more influence as Christian business owners and leaders in, in our world today. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to people are in church for a couple hours a week, 
they're on the job for the hours. We're the plus. pastors on Monday through Saturday. Right. And then the pastors are on the, the pastors on Sundays. There you go. Yeah. Well, I greatly appreciate your time in doing this. This has been a, a, a true pleasure of yeah, mine. And, awesome. and um, we're actually in the same group called, or part of Acumen. Yep. And that's been uh, actually really awesome to uh, be a part of. So it's been amazing. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah. No, uh, glad to be here, man. Appreciate you asking me on.